sportsgrid.com. Betting insights and entertainment at your fingertips 24-7 as our team covers the most important topics in sports wagering. Real-time odds, predictive betting models, expert picks, and more. Want the edge? Then get on the grid. Sportsgrid.com. You're listening to the source of live odds, line, matchups, injury reports, and news you can use. But we just call it the winning edge. Keep it here. There's plenty to go around. This is the Sports Grid Radio Network. Welcome back, everybody, here. Hour number two of the early line. And, you know, it's, it's I don't want to say funny, but even over the break, Kevin and I are talking about, look at the evolution of how the NFL has treated this literally since week one. You know, you'd have an individual player out. You just keep on going. You push a game back one or two days or in the Thanksgiving Day game, reschedule it like five times. Entire position groups can kind of go down. I think the idea of contact tracing has become a lot more serious, right? And we saw it. Remember, Kev, like the entire Raiders offensive line, the entire Niners wide receiver or Cleveland Browns wide receiver group. That was not happening in September and October. It just wasn't. You know, when A.J. Terrell tested positive, the entire Falcons secondary didn't go down because of contact tracing, right? When when the Chiefs practice squad quarterback, Jordan Tiamu, had it, right? There, there was no mm. contract tracing of the quarterback room, you know? So that is what makes me part of what makes me uh, skeptical of how this is going to go when we go forward in the NFL playoffs. But the other thing is here, Kev, regardless of COVID, we've got other injuries to discuss of key players that will be playing on wild card weekend. I know we have a graphic. We'll put it up in a second. But, you know, some of the names that I think of, listen, we don't know if the Rams are going to have their starting quarterback. And I know we've talked about Jared Goff all season long. I know you've joked that Walford has, like, you know, uh, you know, the dual threat nature. And so they may be better yeah. off, but let's not joke. We've got Jared Goff here for the Rams, his thumb. Mike Evans, we saw go down with a non-contact injury in week 17. They say a hyperextended knee. They are um, encouraged he may be able to play. Cole Beasley, you know, everyone loves this Bills offense, right? But Cole Beasley is a big part of that. He's dealing with a knee. And the other one I will put in there, um, it's a defensive player, um, is Jamal Adams. Of the Seattle Seahawks, who, you know, we've been talking about as kind of a linchpin for that team, a playmaker. He is dealing with an injury as well. How do you think some of these are going to shake out? What are the impact of some of these guys uh, maybe not being available for their teams? You know, it's so funny, but every time I feel like we've done this injury report, there's big names on there. But there's always at least one quarterback. And it's like, you just can't pretend that anybody else matters even (laughs) near as much as Goff. And even if we don't hold Goff in high regard, right? Even if he's quarterback 12 or 18 or 24, you want him out there and not Wofford if you're the LA Rams. And this is the thing that becomes tricky. But if he's out there, how effective or ineffective is he really going to be in this game? Like, Dan, I was talking to someone. Would you rather Wofford at quarterback Rams plus seven and a half or this, I don't know, 80% Jared Goff Rams plus four? Like, which ticket, like, like the Seahawks are not the option. You have to back the Rams. It's either Wofford getting seven and a half or Goff getting four. I think I might rather just take the touchdown on the hook and give me Wofford. Like, because I just don't know what this Jared Goff performance is going to look like. I don't know what Jared Goff's going to look like when he's 100%, much less 80%. 
No, I think that's fair. And remember, he'd be coming back from a surgery, for goodness sakes, right? Like, we always yeah. think, like, we could just drop these guys back in, whether it's COVID, whether it's injuries. You know, on uh, Scotty Farrell on Coast to Coast yesterday, they had one of the, one of the uh, big-time guys in Cleveland Sports Talk Radio. And one of the things he was telling us was, Miles Garrett is still not the same. He doesn't have the wind. He's still, you know, looking for blows all the time as we welcome in our radio audience from around the country, around the globe. Big shout out to all the affiliates getting up on the grid early with us. You know, I think we don't we don't really understand the lingering effects of this or even a regular quote unquote injury. So I think you make a good point with Goff. I asked you when it comes to Mike Evans, right? They had him out there. Week 17, they were winning that game, and then he has the non-contact injury. I'm reminded of a few years back. I don't know if it was before your time. Wes Welker went down in Week 17 in a somewhat meaningless game for the Patriots, and that hurt them moving forward. You know, I will say this, though. It's nice to have pretty much Antonio Brown step into that spot for the Bucks offense, hmm. which has <laughs> been rolling lately, Kev. Yeah, no, they've they've been on fire. And that's the one thing that, that you and I talked a little bit about earlier in the week is how A.B. going back to the best receiver in football is enough for me to be like, all right, maybe I'm in. Because, like, he's that good. Like, and I, like, it does make sense that the timeline for A.B. is didn't play football for almost an eternity, ramp it back up, hit your stride. Right. And that's like why that that bye week that they had. Right. I was like, man, like you look right. at it, they're going to be they're going to have a big rest advantage over the teams that they play. And they are going to be playing four teams that they're going to be big favorites against. And all of that was true. And that's why I didn't want to find myself, you know, fawning over the results. And through the first two weeks. Um, it's like yes, like these are good, res- like the results are wins, but it's a little bit fugazi. Sure. And then I've never seen a team be able. To- <laughs> and they had Brady was benched at half. I've never I seen. Know. I don't remember ever seeing that. Like week sixteen, they were like, "Yep, he's done enough." And then week seventeen, the game in Atlanta was close, and then it wasn't. So again, it's I still feel good about how I felt about it all, and I said that preemptively, right? It no, wasn't like I didn't watch the Bucks. For the four weeks, and if something you different did. happened, I would have changed my my eyes. It didn't. Outside of ten, one eighty three, and two touchdowns from the best receiver in football, right? Like, and that's enough to make any person who's trying to be honest go, okay, maybe this is a little bit different. It could be rounding into form. You know, it's funny what you just said about Antonio Brown. I can almost say some similar things about Rob Gronkowski, who will be there now, maybe rounded into form for this Bucks offense as well. We'll talk a little bit about this and start looking at the spreads. Coming at you all day, every day, with more attitude. SportsGrid.com. Betting insights and entertainment at your fingertips 24-7 as our team covers the most important topics in sports wagering. Real-time odds, predictive betting models, expert picks, and more. Want the edge? Then get on the grid. SportsGrid.com. Welcome back in, everybody, right here on to the early line, Dane and Kev. So, Kev, let's get into this a little bit, right? One of the injuries I'm asking you about is Cole Beasley. 
right? And Cole Beasley dealing with a knee injury. And let's talk about that in the context of this game. I mean, the Buffalo Bills will have some fans in the stands. They'll have at least 6,000 fans. I want to see how many of them go through tables as the Bills Mafia. I mean, Stephon Diggs has never played in front of a Buffalo Bills crowd, Kev. He doesn't understand Bills Mafia just yet, right? So I want to ask you this. As we look at starting to set up the game, the Bills are six-and-a-half-point favorites. 51-and-a-half is the total in this one. This is a matchup of two offenses that are humming, right? We know the Bills look really, really good. People think that the Titans, like, you know, you think because, oh, it's Derrick Henry and they run. People forget that this is a top three offense. People forget that under your boy, Ryan Tannehill, I think he's something like 80% of the over in their games, right? So it makes me think the Bills are going to need Cole Beasley on some level to be that good Mm. security blanket of Josh Allen. People don't realize how big of a season Cole Beasley had. I think this year was better than any he ever had in Dallas. Like, that's an interesting loss, especially in a game, Kev, with a high total like this. They may be going back and forth. You need a guy like Cole Beasley, no? Yeah, no, Cole Beasley matters. And it's, it's interesting to watch his season kind of progress because Cole Beasley went from a guy that was popular because he was a Dallas Cowboy to an important piece of the puzzle for the Buffalo really Bills. And and give him credit for that, right? Like, But this Buffalo Bills offense is, is just really, really good. And that's why that total you know, checks in at 51.5, and, and, and the Bills are projected to be one of the highest-scoring teams of the weekend. I, I'll tell you this, like early, and I don't know what it is, but I keep getting pulled towards the Colts in this game, at least mm. with that 6.5. And, and I... And I want to. It's so why not. not wait. The, you don't think it's going to go to seven? You don't think it's going to get to seven? I think it does, right? If you feel like this so is if you want to back with, the Colts, I would wait. Yeah, I think I would because I, the Bills I are becoming agree. a more a pretty public team these days. I think the yeah. momentum for Buffalo, like they are, I think crossing the threshold, right, of one of these teams that yeah. no one trusts is kind of still a joke, whatever. To like, wow, now they're a really good, solid team, and we have to respect them. I think they're crossing that threshold of becoming public. Mm-hmm. So I'd wait and get seven if you like the Colts. Yeah, that's and that's going to be my approach here. And I would say this, though, even if you're a Buffalo backer, right, is it really that bad if it gets to seven and then you just have to tease the game? Like, now, that's obviously right. means you got to bring the total into the mix. and But, you know, you can get, you know, still full six points. But if your thought process, you know, is I really like Buffalo, I re- you know, but maybe you want to wait on that Cole Beasley news because that can change things. And maybe Cole Beasley's ruled out. And it goes down to a right. flat six, or maybe below six, which could, mm. you know, still you make the like difference. I, I, maybe? No, no, I don't. But could if you know if there's just all of a sudden this buyback on Indy, could the number fall? I, I think it's possible. I'm fascinated, and we're that's why we're obviously doing this. Is how many of these games get to or through those key numbers? Because there's not been right. a ton of movement, you know, from where these uh, the Steelers situation is obviously very different, the Steelers-Browns game. But in the other five, most of these things are kind of holding right now. Mm-hmm. 
No, they absolutely are. And the other factor I think is interesting is the fans that'll be there, especially in a place like Buffalo. Like, they are ready to celebrate and support their team. You saw them come out at the darn airport, for goodness sakes, right? And we have seen, remember I told you it was big when I saw Baker have to quiet his own crowd when they had like 12,000 people there? You know, six, seven, yeah. 10,000 people. They can make a difference. And also for a team like the Colts, like, they probably haven't had to go into an environment, right? Like, we were saying these veteran coaches in the these quiet stadiums were able to go to hot routes, right? He has signals, adjust plays, use the hard count. Philip Rivers ain't going to be able to do that in Buffalo this weekend. I think that is pretty interesting. Another name that I mentioned, Kev, was Jamal Adams. Jamal Adams, the new prize piece of the Seattle Seahawks defense. He's dealing with, I believe it is a shoulder injury. Now, listen, we've seen the Seahawks have been a team we've talked about a lot this year. And it does seem like as the offense was cooking less and there's all sorts of reasons for that right as that was happening though almost in tandem kev the defense was getting slightly better right and a big part of that is jamal adams jamal adams is a dude so talk to me about jamal adams's impact here especially if you know this is wofford he's seeing on the other side like i've seen jamal adams be the spy for this incredible dual threat rushing quarterback you're talking about talk to me about the impact of adams for this defense a point spread of four and again interestingly enough while bill's mafia will be in the building in buffalo here in seattle when they're used to the 12th man there's still no fans so we've talked a lot about my preemptive disbelief in the Bucks, right? The other preemptive I don't buy it was the Seattle defense figuring it out. Since week 12, right, they've given up 17, 17, 3, 15, 9, 23. Pretty good. Who have they played? Who have they played? Carson Wentz. Colt McCoy, Sam Darnold, Dwayne Haskins, Jared Goff, and C.J. Beathard. Dave, what do you want me to do with that? I can't. Jared Goff it's, was it's in there, though. But Jared no, Goff is yeah, in there. That's the same he's, team. He's, and if it's Walford, maybe it's even worse. So why can't the Seahawks so, do this so, again against that Rams team that they did last week? I mean, last 100%. Week. Okay. My only thing is, I don't know if this Seattle defense, right, is better or played the most favorable run of quarterbacks we've seen. But Goff is in that stretch, and He's in that Goff was, was healthier for more of that game than he wasn't, right? And will enter this game injured for, for you know the entirety of this matchup. But I just don't know what you want me to make of a Seattle defense that couldn't stop anybody and then played that level of quarterback. Now, again... Here, here comes Jared Goff into this game, and I don't buy Jared Goff very much. I just feel like if Seattle all of a sudden found themselves giving up points, 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 it wouldn't shock me. The reason why it's like it's unlikely to come into factor in this matchup is that's not how the Rams want to win, regardless. They they like when they played the first time in Week Ten, the Rams won that game twenty three to sixteen. The Rams stopped scoring by the third quarter. They just gave the ball to Cam Akers, you know, seven hundred times because they just then looked to bleed the rest of the clock, and that would be their ideal outcome, I think, in a game against Seattle. 
So let me ask you this, because we got linchpins on both sides, right? Jamal Adams, a playmaker on the Seattle defense. We don't know about the Rams quarterback situation. You know, they're still they're banged up also in other places. The Rams like Akers returned last week. Henderson's still down for them. Right. So is this a game because of all those factors, Kev, right now? The total's at 42 and a half. The spread is at four. Like, mm-hmm. do you want to bet any of these now? Like, do you think if if Goff is declared active, will the total move up? Uh, if Adams is not there, will it be more favorable for the Rams? There's a lot of reasons here where if you did want to get ahead of numbers, you would have opportunities to do so. Is that is that something you want to do? So I think what you can do with this game, so you find yourself with Seattle minus four, right? And if Jared Goff is officially active in the starting quarterback for this game, that's the number. I, I don't think this isn't going to go to two and a half, right? Like right. this number says Jared Goff is playing. Everybody expects Jared Goff to play. If Jared Goff doesn't play, though, that's when this does cross probably a t- probably a touchdown at the minimum, right? If all of a sudden it was Wofford. So that's where I think you can kind of mess around here a little bit with an early line where you're buying a number on Seattle and the the risk of goth, right? Right. You're not there there's no worry there. You've got the number that says Jared Goff is going to play quarterback, but if he doesn't, I mean you're almost getting a, you know, probably a free field goal if not more. All right, fair enough. Listen, we've talked about a bunch of the wild card games that are happening this week. There's a couple more I want to bring up, see if you want to get it now or not. And then we turn to our attention to all these vacancies in the NFL. What would we do? SportsGrid.com. Betting insights and entertainment at your fingertips 24-7 as our team covers the most important topics in sports wagering. Real-time odds, predictive betting models, expert picks, and more. Want the edge? Then get on the grid. SportsGrid.com. We were talking about some of these wild card games and also listen, whether it is through COVID or injury, some of the factors that are there. And, you know, with these lines out where we do expect movement, are there any opportunities where you want to get it now instead of waiting for some of the movement? We've talked about a couple of the games, Kev. I want to bring your attention to Saints Bears, okay, which is a game that I listen. We talk about the Browns here with COVID. Remember, the Saints entire running back room was out last week. They were doing this with Ty Montgomery and Taysom Hill. Now, there wasn't a huge drop-off. They still were able to do their thing against the Carolina Panthers, but the Chicago Bears defense may be slightly different. So, listen, we know that this game is going to be on Sunday. It looks like Alvin Kamara and the rest of the running backs will be clear and active and up and ready to go. But... We also know that sometimes for the player who actually does have COVID, whether it was Cam Newton, whether it was Miles Garrett, whether it's been others, there have been lingering effects. And now we're talking about one of the potential offensive players of the year and a critical cog in this Saints offense. Kev, is the idea of Kamara coming back, is that enough to maybe give you cause for pause with what is a big number in the dome? Yeah, I'm not doing this Saints thing. I, <laughs> I'm i so over this team. I hope they lose. <laughs> I really do. I can't stand them. They've been doing this 3, for 3,000 fans in the so, Dome will be standing up and getting crunk in the Dome. It might get loud. 
And my guess is when they lose to Mitch Trubisky, they'll go, oh, if we had 6,000, we would have won the Super Bowl. They've been doing this for years now. Instant replay at the gate. <laughs> they, they they did this when the Eagles won the Super Bowl. They're like, ah, if we would have beat the Vikings, we would we would have beat the Eagles, no problem. What what are you talking about? You lost to Minnesota, and then the Eagles rolled the Vikings. Shut up! And then they just keep doing it. They got the rule changed for pass interference. They got jobbed. They did, but I'm over it. They had the whole rule changed, and then <laughs> they lost to Kirk Cousins at home. Kirk Cousins, like, can, who can never win a primetime game. Like, this year they popped champagne for him because he won a game on Monday Night Football against this in, that once was an anemic Bears offense. Like, that's who they lost to. So here they are hosting Mitch Trubisky. I'm not laying nine and a half with these jokers. No, I Regardless don't care. I won't do Regardless. it. No, no. I don't care if they put Foles back in. I don't care if Tyler Bray comes into the game. I don't care if Nagy starts taking snaps. There is no world in which I will lay nine and a half. If they win by a zillion, I won't feel bad. But when this is, for whatever reason, a four-point game and Trubisky has the ball and the Saints are getting ready, the excuse machine once again... I'm not going to be sat there holding a nine and a half ticket, hoping Cam Jordan can get a strip sack, and then Malcolm Jenkins can complete a scoop and score to front door cover a number. No way. Okay, so you won't be holding a nine and a half ticket, a minus nine and a half ticket. Kev, would you ever be holding a plus 385 Bears money line ticket? (laughs) That is a spite bet. I don't know if it's an honest bet, though, right? Like... The funny thing Plus is, three eighty five in a playoff game. These teams played <laughs> this year, and like it was the well, wasn't awful that outdoors version. in Chicago? Wasn't that outdoors in Chicago? Yeah, it was, but it was also okay. the version of the Bears that didn't know how to play football, and it was an That's overtime fair. win for the Saints. So, like that, you give yourself also a little three eighty five, and then you play with it a little bit. No, isn't that a nice little flag to plant, and 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 then maybe. Maybe, you know, hedge it or balance it live and, and get a full card. But plus 385 is a nice little starting point, isn't it? Plus yeah, 9.5 is a nice little starting point. Listen, I, I mean, I, I think there's there's certainly a world where in-game you will find yourself with a an ability to lock profit in, right? And right. if the Saints win start right. to finish and they just roll the Bears, then so be it. And you were wrong. But that's right. what they were supposed to do to the Vikings last year. But if I, I get three nothing Chicago right with five minutes left in the first, oh boy! Yeah, and again, like it's just sometimes teams are like we get to the playoffs and everything that they've done all year long is almost irrelevant, right? Like, there's a reason why nobody is going to bet, or not nobody, but there's a reason people. You will hear people say, "I'm all over the Titans." Lamar Jackson can't play in the postseason. Like, and that will be the entirety of the analysis that they will give you. And yeah. to a degree, it might be difficult to push back on that. Like, what the Saints, and I, and who knows, Dane, we're going to break these things down Friday in a lot more yeah. detail, and, and maybe sure. I'll see some things that are that'll change my opinion. But since the Eagles won the Super Bowl, and the Saints then did a media tour saying how they would have won the Super Bowl right. if they beat Minnesota, I've been over this team ever since then.
All right, fair enough. Listen, let's go to the last game here and kind of touch on this. You're right. When we have a full-on football Friday with six games, we are going to break it all down, okay? Spreads, totals, props. On Friday, it will be wall-to-wall football. There is one other game that we haven't talked about. You mentioned it with your kind of uh, example with Lamar, but it is the Tennessee Titans um, and Baltimore, right? It is a 4-5 matchup. Baltimore is going to Tennessee, yet Tennessee, Kev, is a home dog. And a home dog, Kev, that is going to have over 14,000 fans in the stands. Okay? Like, they going to get loud. And here's the thing, Kev. I hate this game. I hate that this is the matchup. Because <laughs> as you know, the Ravens and the Titans were both teams that I was intrigued by to kind of be my... You know, surprise horse in the AFC if anyone was going to unseat the Kansas City Chiefs. I was buying into the run games, obviously, of Baltimore. You know the way I feel now that winter is here, accepting that their defense is piss poor. But I thought that they would be Mm -hmm. live on any given day. And then when I see the matchups happen, it's like, oh, man, you know, after this weekend, I will, in fact, lose one of my, you know, hot take horses in the AFC going into this. I almost wanted to bet the Ravens at 7-1 and the Titans at 15-1 to in the AFC. Now I feel like that's silly because I'm going to lose one of them over the weekend, right? But how do you see this game matching up? I I, I think this is going to be an over game. I think this is going to be rushing left and right. The question is, will Tennessee be able to apply any pressure or slow Baltimore down at all? I had no, no idea that Baltimore made it to that level for you. Yes. Oh no, yes. Le- this is the profile I want. Yes, yes. I think both yeah, for a while you were we weren't there that relatively week. We weren't talking that week, but I was on like, you know what? Cause you know, how I've been talking about these running teams and I even thought about Cleveland a little bit, but in essence, mm-hmm. Baltimore took the Cleveland spot for me of like the running team that I'm intrigued to be live against Kansas city. I wanted mm-hmm. to go Baltimore at what was plus plus seven fifty, I believe going into week mm-hmm. 17 and Tennessee was in the 13, 14 to one. Those were the two shots I was going to take, but now I think it's a fool's errand cause you know, they face each other. Yeah. Then again, you're into the next round automatically with your future. I've got the first which... Chiefs opponent, regardless. Thanks. Right. <laughs> not guaranteed, though. Like, the, that's listen, true. six or seven to get if the job Indy done. Wins, if, if Cleveland wins, yeah, that's true. So, this is the thing with Baltimore that is a little bit frustrating, is because I've never really jumped ship on Baltimore. I feel like I like I, the RG3 performance against Pittsburgh, I was like, yep, they're back. Like, what do yeah, you mean? You no, the run game run. is back. Yeah. You know what I mean? I'm like, I'm like, they're back. They're fine, right? And then they had that big win against the Browns, which was almost like the only valid proof point because they were playing bottom feeders in every other game. But what's surprising to me is I'm not on any level of an island. I mean, at this point, you're back in on Baltimore, too. Like, Dane, they're laying the same number that basically would have been a week one look-ahead line when the Ravens were priced at the same exact number as the Chiefs in every market, I feel. Like, the Ravens are just viewed as the team that everybody thought they were going to be coming into the year, which is like, I I don't know if I'm frustrated because I thought I was going to steal value at, like, a pick'em or something, or if now I find myself wondering if is Baltimore overvalued? Like, are the Ravens that good? I mean, this number was three and a half, and it's come down to three. Like, this line also basically spits in the face of home field advantage. Come on. Baltimore would be laying over a touchdown to Tennessee if they were hosting. 
That's ridiculous. That's why I, feel I like wonder about home field advantage. You know, that's why I do wonder about home field advantage and the fact that, listen, they're going to have 15,000 people there, Kev. Right? Like, yeah. I wonder if that does mean anything. These are going to be playoff fans, right? And so that's going to be interesting to me. The other thing you talk about is how the, the Ravens have kind of been um, moving quickly. They are now the third choice to win the AFC, Kev, at 6-1. to one. I literally saw it at, like, 8-1 to one just last week. And just by sheer definition – you know, Kev, they're the five seed, but they are the third best odds, right? So they have them over Tennessee. They have them over Pittsburgh by a wide margin, if you want to know the truth. So, yes, it does look like a lot of people are coming in on Baltimore. I know the way you feel. I know their defense is poo, Kev. But, like, hmm. Tennessee at home getting three. I don't think the Ravens, like, blow this team out, right? The Titans are a top three offense. Derrick Henry and this crew, A.J. Brown, your NWO guys, they are there. Like, would you take the home dog even if you think Baltimore wins, or do you think this is like a 41-10 kind of uh, performance from Baltimore? The thing is, Baltimore was up on this team when they played already this year and then blew that lead. So I wonder if I can get a better number in-game on Tennessee. Uh, the one thing, Dane, that I'll just toss out there is, you know, we approach a break for people to kind of chew on. The last two games we just talked about, profiles as you have to beat the same team twice. You know, when you see someone from the same division, the Browns, Steelers, yeah. or the Seahawks, and the Rams, that's a given. The Saints have a win over the Bears this year, and the Titans have a win over the Ravens this year. Are they going to be able to go 2-0 and on those teams? Now, that is definitely something to uh, discuss that is not only happening in the division matchups this year. We'll see what adjustments these make. But a lot of these teams are far different than in their first matchup. When we come back, we'll talk about some teams that are not in the playoffs and are looking at Phil head coach openings. What would we do? What would we prioritize? Look, you have a simple choice. SportsGrid.com. Betting insights and entertainment at your fingertips 24-7 as our team covers the most important topics in sports wagering. Real-time odds, predictive betting models, expert picks, and more. Want the edge? Then get on the grid. SportsGrid.com. SportsGrid Radio Network. Away from John Rahm. He is clearly one of the top two three at worst best players in the world. And there's a chance that he elevates himself to the number one player in the world at some point in 2021. But eight to one is too short in this field for me, especially because this is going to be the first event that John Rahm is trying out his new Callaway clubs. That's right. He's gone from TaylorMade. He signs a new deal with Callaway and I'm sure he's used them. I'm sure he's been dialed in, but it's just a little bit different when you have your new sticks in tournament action for the first time he's probably tempering expectations just a little bit and John Rahm doesn't usually win at really easy courses and that's not a knock in fact that is a compliment to John Rahm he finds himself in contention and atop the leaderboard at some of the most difficult courses on the PGA Tour you think about Mirfield Village last year you think about Olympia Fields two of the tougher tracks that the PGA Tour went to in 2020 John Rahm victorious in both of them so it's not that John Rahm can't win a birdie fest, but some of these really low, deep, under-par scoring events, it, it opens up the volatility a little bit. I like John Rahm a little bit later in the year on a more difficult course, maybe at a longer number, and as he gets more comfortable with his Callaway club. So for me, uh, John Rahm will be a hesitant fade at the Century Tournament of Champions.
Welcome back in, everybody, right here to the early line. Dane and Kevin putting the fun and functional sports content. And, um, you know, the question of what would we do with these coaching openings is a nice question. And we will kind of evaluate all the factors uh, for us. We're going to do that tomorrow. Okay. Seeing like, oh, I got this draft pick, but I got this cap space. Yeah, but I've got Deshaun Watson. Yeah, but I've got Justin Herbert. We'll 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 try to see how we think they all rank. But here's the thing, Kev. We're seeing news of interviews already, right? We are starting to get uh, a sense, a lay of the land on who these hot candidates are going to be. For example, the Texans have asked to speak to Joe Brady. Remember Joe Brady from LSU, the passing game coordinator in uh, Carolina. Looks like he's going to get an interview. Ironically, not Eric Bieniemy, who we think is going to be one of the prize candidates, and he would have to interview this week, right, because the Chiefs are on a bye. I did hear that Bieniemy was interviewing remotely with the Jaguars, with the Falcons. There's been some others. Raheem Morris, the interim coach for Atlanta, got a chance to interview and, in essence, maybe remove the interim tag if he impressed there. We know about other names, guys like Robert Salah, the defensive coordinator of the San Francisco 49ers. We know about uh, Dable, right, the offensive coordinator in Buffalo. Even other names that are kind of like the retreads of the world, like Marvin Lewis getting interviews, uh, Jim Caldwell getting interviews as well, right? So... Now that we are starting to hear these names, do you think that these mm -hmm. are, in fact, the right up-and-coming coordinators who are going to get a chance, Daryl Bevel included? Or even like when we hear names like Marvin Lewis and Jim Caldwell, what do you think about uh, kind of the, uh, the older guard entering back into the fray? Yeah, we've talked a lot about how Jim Caldwell uh, has sure. deserved a call. And if, I mean, again, if the NFL is going to do retreads, I mean, the guy that constantly kept the Bengals afloat in Marvin Lewis probably yeah. deserves a call, even if they never won a playoff game. You know that I've been waiting to see where Eric Bieniemy lands. And honestly, yeah. the success of it all is almost irrelevant. It's more the absurdity that it's like, ah, we couldn't have any patience. The guy was coaching too long into the playoffs. Morons. I'll say <laughs> this, though. I wonder what the Eric Bieniemy interviews are like if he speaks with, say, the Jaguars and the Jets, where do those teams go as far to talk about where they are drafting the potential of adding a quarterback in the draft? Oh, and how much, it if at all, it has to well, be. but how much then, if at all, right, can Eric Bieniemy speak to Justin Fields or Trevor Lawrence or Zach Wilson or Trey Lance? Because they're not. And he is not in a situation where he's really needing to break down Trevor Lawrence game tape. I, I mean, I'm sure he still, right. you know, consumes tons of football, right? But I mean, Trevor's playing on Saturdays. You know, he's got a game the next day, right? Like, th does he run it through the chief scouting department? How much is the chief scouting department? How much time have they spent on Trevor Lawrence game tape to even kind of give him right, an right, idea right. of? what he likes at the quarterback position. Or maybe, and, and this is just almost kind of a curiosity type of point that I'm bringing up, mm -hmm. but has Biennemi been watching Lawrence and Fields all year long thinking that he could find himself in a position he'll have a to job. coach one of those guys next year? Yeah, I think that is definitely possible. I want to ask you one or two more questions real quick. One, you know, you hear some of the names like the Biennemis, the Bradys, right, passing, the, the evolution of the league. But then you hear like Robert Salah also. 
If you're a GM, are you, yeah. I, like I feel like there is no reason anymore to hire what they call like a defensive-minded head coach. If I'm a GM and there are seven GM vacancies and many of which there's a GM and the head coaching vacancy together like in Detroit, in Atlanta, in Houston, in Jacksonville. If you're that GM, are you going to really hire a defensive-minded head coach anymore, whether they're Robert Slaw or anybody else? Or are you going to try to find the next offensive mind that's McVay, that's Kingsbury, whatever the case may be? So for a while, the idea of hiring anyone that profiled as anything other than an offensive head coach felt like an absolute insane move. Because if you hire Robert Sala, right, offense is still more important. And if your offensive coordinator is excellent, right, which would be necessary to complete the puzzle, he's gone, right, soon thereafter in the next coaching cycle, right, unless they're Eric Biennemi. The the interesting thing is, can you find a situation? And listen, Sal is gonna get a job, right, Dane? I mean, from what we can I tell, think it would so. Be yes, I got the minus money at yes, yeah. Right, it would be shocking if he ended up without a job. And Raheem Morris, right, has a defensive background, and a lot of people think that it's very likely he stays in Atlanta. So we could see multiple defensive head coaches hold on to their position. The question is. When they choose their offensive coordinator, what kind of success can they have in you know picking someone that's good enough but might also be long for the job? Right. Because the other option is somehow finding the ability to do what Nick Saban does, and that's make the offensive coordinator position on his staff so attractive that he gets to just cycle them in and out right. with constant success. Now, that is interesting. And I mean, Kev, you know, tomorrow we'll break down those openings a little bit more and what are the factors to consider and, you know, which job. Let's say you are Eric Bieniemy, who's in, interviewing in three places, right? You may have choices. So in the universe where you have a choice, Kevin and I will let you know tomorrow what our choices would be and what are the factors that we would consider. I think it's going to be an interesting list and an interesting ranking, and we may go at it in different ways. So that's going to be an exciting conversation. Stay tuned to the early line tomorrow for that kev uh earlier on in the show though we were talking about some nba games we didn't get a chance to completely go through them and there are some big games on the schedule tonight that i would like to get your take on the big one in my opinion are the boston celtics going to miami to take on the heat these were the two teams that played in the eastern conference finals last year we know that uh miami has not gotten off to the best start there at 500 at three and three some people think that it's a little bit of that bubble hangover a little bit there in Miami, they are two and a half point favorites tonight. The total is 218. How do you see this one shaking up? So for me, Miami enters in an interesting spot where they're still looking for their first streak of any mm-hmm. kind. Three Boston and three. Boston. Yep, yep, yep. Every single time. Boston's playing some all right ball here now. Winners of four of their last five games. The game against Toronto uh, was a great win for them, although maybe how bad of a loss it was for Toronto. Uh, you know, chewed up a little bit more of the headline. I'm interested in back in Miami in this spot, though, at a very small number in their own building. The Heat are 3-1 and one on the season at home. The one loss was when the Milwaukee Bucks obliterated them in Miami and broke the single season or the single game record for most threes made in a game with 29. They rolled the ball out the very next night, and Miami ended up coming back from down double digits in the fourth quarter in that same See, building to come this back. This is what we're talking about. Right. 
zigzag right. in that same building. So for me, I'm just I think Miami at home is going to be play on. I think this being lower than three right now, the two and a half point spread. I'm interested in back in heat against the Celtics. All right, fair enough. While my selfish mind wants to ask you about the Knicks and their idea of maybe we should start to be excited after that comeback against Atlanta in their last game, but I will ask you instead about a game out west that I know intrigues a lot of people. The Clippers will be going to Golden State in the Bay to take on the Warriors. Listen, which Steph Curry are we going to get? You know, we alluded to it earlier in the week. Over the weekend, the kind of narrative on Steph Curry went from everything like he's a role player to the idea that, you know, he's He's the best player. He's still the GOAT out there and deserves MVP consideration after he dropped a 60-burger. We don't have a total just yet. The Clippers are road favorites against this Golden State team. Both of them above 500. What do you think is going to be happening down there in the Bay tonight? So, Dane, if we don't have a total, we've learned this lesson enough times. That's right. means that we got some big question marks that need to be answered. The Clippers are on a back-to-back. Yesterday, Paul George didn't play. Now, it was not labeled as rest, It was, and it wasn't a primetime game as well, right? So I don't think they would have been penalized if they labeled it as rest. It was an ankle injury. Okay. The Clippers had Kawhi last night. I don't know. The last time Kawhi played a back-to-back, I think right. he wore a Spurs so flip it. And I, I, I'm not trying to be... I'm not joking. Like, I think the last time he played back-to-back, he was wearing a Spurs uniform. Yeah, he didn't so that would suggest that he's not available for this game. Although it then would categorize as resting Kawhi in a primetime matchup. Maybe a fine would be coming. Maybe yeah, it's he'll not find rest. A ankle real quick. He'll find no, an ankle. Yeah, that listen, f- thigh contusion seems sure. like it, it would fit the description. But, Dane, there's a world where the Warriors tonight are playing Papev, Lou Will, and Serge Ibaka. There's also a world where maybe both Kawhi and PG are out there. And that's why I don't think it would be – I don't think there is a number here that I could tell you bet this and your worst-case right. scenario is what this number is. There's too much up in the air for me to take a piece of this number right now in either direction. No, that makes sense. Um, and that's why we always say it here on the early line, right? We even say, especially in the context of this craziness world that we live in, where availability is up in the air, you know, so maybe you want to keep it locked always to Gabe and Cam on game time decisions. They'll be giving you always all the most up-to-date information right before the balls go in the air. We only got about a minute left, Kev, but there's some other games on the association, you know, Rockets, Pacers, that is interesting. Raptors, who did finally kind of get up off the deck. Um, you know, against the Suns today. Either one of those games or anything else on the slate that catches your eye that you want to tell the people about? The, the Suns-Raptors game is really, really big because the Raptors are 1-5. and five. Yeah, and get off the, the mat. You know, I've been starting to ask people, hey, is, look, could we get a surprise miss of the playoffs, right? And they are dogs here. Low, though. Very low. Two and a half mm-hmm. against Phoenix. Phoenix obviously is trying to, you know, change what they're doing here. They're off of a home loss to the Clippers. Sometimes you just got to believe what people are showing you. And if Toronto all of a sudden figures it out, then okay. I think I'll take the Suns here against the Raptors team. That's a total mess. Fair enough. As we come back to wrap up this episode of the early line, I asked Kevin why he may pull out his inner DK back. 
SportsGrid.com. Betting insights and entertainment at your fingertips 24-7 as our team covers the most important topics in sports wagering. Real-time odds, predictive betting models, expert picks, and more. Want the edge? Then get on the grid. SportsGrid.com. This is the SportsGrid Radio Network. Here to the early line, as I said, we're going to tie a nice, neat little bow on this episode before the morning after comes up next. Big shout out to Jared and Ariel. They'll be holding you down. Um, You know, Kev, these coaches are going through interviews, right, this week, right? And the problem is they have to do these virtually, right? Like Raheem Morris is on a Zoom call with people. Eric Bieniemy is Zooming with these guys. And I don't think you get... I don't think you get the whole real feel of it. And I mentioned DK Metcalf. Kev, do you remember when DK Metcalf had his draft meeting with the Seattle Seahawks and he decided to do it shirtless, <laughs> right, to impress people, right? You yeah. know, and it worked. Yeah. They drafted him. It worked, right? So mm-hmm. when these coaches and coach candidates are going after it but remotely – Right. And we're saying that we're going to put ourselves in the the position of these candidates tomorrow and rank these openings. Kev, if you were virtually interviewing for a coach job, what would you do to impress the front office that's interviewing you? Would you take your shirt off? Would you break out that playbook? Remember, John Gruden said he had like a whole playbook for years and just never was able to use it. How would you make an impression if you were being interviewed? via like zoom for a head coaching yeah. job no look it's it's a good question right now now if say i jump on a zoom call i pop the top that's a five-year extension at the i'm minute, telling right? you there's, bro, there, that's what there's I'm no two about. ways about it here's the <laughs> advice though that i could give uh the 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 litany of nfl head coaches that are tuned into the program try to be on time uh and one way you can make yourself on time right and i know this from experience when you go to shake the coffee in the morning Make sure the cap is tied on. Dane, okay. I have smelled like coffee for two hours. I've loved oh, okay. this show. Was it's it like been a treat. Nut? What was it? What yeah, kind? Of, what, what is just, it? I know it's just regular iced coffee. You got to get that coffee. baby. In Spanish like me. Yeah. Oh, yeah. That sounds that like it would keep me strong. up for hours. Yeah, man. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, yeah, yeah, bro. yeah, yeah. Cafe Bustelo, look into it. Yeah, I would I would almost like maybe have my whiteboard behind me with all the X's and O's so it looked like I was scheming stuff up <laughs> all the time. Like, oh, this play? Right. Be like, yeah, Spider 2Y banana. You know, I got you. Yeah, I'm yeah, locked yeah. down. But you're right, Love maybe that. popping off the shirt on Zoom like DK would not be the way. We'll break it down even more tomorrow. The morning after is up next. Have a great day. Relax. You don't have to actually play these sports. Just know.